Let us listen to the Bible reading. We're going to have three Bible readings, all from the New Testament. And the readings are from New King James Version. The first reading is from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, and then 13 to 20. Let's hear the word of God, the parable of the sower. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the best of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much, much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But the sun was up. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The parable of the sower explained this from verse 13 onwards. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the curse of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good grounds. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some hundred. The second reading is from Matthew 17, chapter 17, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, 
Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The third reading is from Luke chapter 17, verses 5 to 6. And it reads, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this marble tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Here ends our readings. Thanks be to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite you to take absolute control of your message. In the name of Jesus, I block the blockers who take the word. Speak through me and prepare the hearts of your children. In Jesus' name, Amen. Today we are going to talk about grow your faith. And this morning, on the authority of scripture, I proclaim that God's will is that we will grow our faith. Indeed, God has dealt to every believer a measure of faith. That's in Romans 12 and 3. And he doesn't want our faith to become stagnant. He wants you to grow in him. And growing in him means that you are growing from faith to faith. as in Romans 1.17. And it means that you are going to know him better than you did yesterday. Better this week than last week. More today than yesterday. Why do I say that God wants our faith to grow? In Ephesians 4.14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. If we are no longer to be children, then it means we must what? Grow. And in Acts 20.32, it says... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of grace, which is able to build you up. Indeed, the ultimate picture of a mature Christian who has excellent faith is our Lord Jesus Christ. As a roadmap, we're going to talk about... um, how to grow your faith. We are going to define faith. We are going to consider some challenges to faith. Then we are going to reflect on methods to grow our faith. And at the end of this sermon, we would have been exposed to or reminded of some practical approaches to exercise your faith, my faith, our faith. Please say after me, I will grow my faith. 
I will grow my faith. My faith. I will grow my faith. I will grow my faith. And today, I'm trusting God that you shall make commitments to grow your faith and do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's take the definitions. What is faith? The Bible in Hebrews 11.1 1 reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we see that faith has two components. What is hoped for? And this may include future events that have been promised in scripture. For example, the rapture and the end of all evil. We are hoping for such. And the second is evidence that are not seen. In this context, it refers to convincing evidence of an invisible reality such as the existence of, say, God, of Jesus Christ, of angels, and the activities of the heavenly kingdom. You don't see them, but they are. It's like the wind. You don't see it, but you sense, it, you sense its effects. That is faith. There is a second definition for faith. And it says, faith is the response of the human spirit to the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It implies that it is when you hear the word of God that faith what? Develops. So if people say faith is the response of the human spirit to the word it's right because it's only when you hear the word that you respond by building the faith. Indeed, the word faith carries a number of meanings. It describes our whole relationship with God, trusting in Him, leaning our whole weight on Him, and having courage to act on our belief. Why is faith so important? Or why should you grow your faith? The first one, I've said that it's God's will and he wants us to grow our faith. Ephesians 4.14, we should no longer be children. Acts 20.32, he commends us to the word of his grace which is able to build us up. So we have to grow our faith because God wants us to. Number two, Faith is fundamental to the human to the Christian life. Why? Because Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so without faith, what? It is impossible to please God. So it's fundamental. No faith can't please God. Number three. Christianity is a fight of faith. That is why we must grow our faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. 
lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many. Fight the good fight of faith. Indeed, it's more like the whole Christian life is a fight on your faithfulness. He who is faithful to the end, he ends the crown of life. And to fight the good fight of faith means that you are going to stand firmly anchored in the word, in the power of the Spirit, reckoning yourself dead to our human feelings and human reasoning. Not letting sin rule over our mortal body by obeying it. And as Jesus says, take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. So the fight of faith, because that is the life we are in, you must grow your faith. The fourth, faith makes the impossible possible. In the second and third readings, we heard about the mustard seed. The first one we all hear, that if you have faith as mustard seed, you can say it's a mountain, mountain move from here, and it goes there. And it's just to let us know that when we believe and have faith in God, nothing shall be impossible to us. The second one is something we don't hear much of. It's saying that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to a mulberry tree, a tree, be uprooted by yourself and go and plant yourself in the sea. How can a tree uproot itself? And more difficult in the sea, with the waves, deep sea. How can the roots even get to there to hold on to something? And the implication is very simple for the second one. The first one is obvious. With God, nothing is impossible. The second one is trying to tell us that Faith allows us to remain rooted and grounded even in the most seemingly unsettled of situations like the waves of the sea. No matter how disturbing the situation is, if you have faith, you can get rooted and anchored. That is one of the reasons we must develop our faith. And the fifth reason why we must develop our faith that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. First John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. And if, if, if faith is that which helps us overcome, then we must grow it so that we overcome. The sixth and the seventh are similar. But the sixth one says, is faith is the spiritual shield. Ephesians 5 tells us that faith is, say we have to take the shield of faith with which we should quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of faith. And once you have the shield, no matter what is thrown at you by the devil, you should be able to quench it. But we know that faith comes by hearing. So without hearing the word, you cannot have faith. 
Interestingly, that same Ephesians 5 advises us that the word of God is the sword of the spirit that we used to attack because it's the sword that we used to attack. So the word builds faith. You cannot fight, attack using your sword or use your shield to protect yourself if you don't feed on the word. But all in all, be it, you need a shield of faith so that the attacks that you have in your life, your faith will shield them. The seventh reason why we should build our faith is because we use it to resist the enemy. It's like the shield. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him in the faith. Why? Because he comes to steal your faith. He comes to steal the word from you. Remember the parable of the sower? The seed that fell by the wayside. Immediately the devil came and what? Snatched them away. But if you develop your faith, then you can resist so that that treasure of the word in your heart is not easily taken away. These are seven reasons why we should grow our faith. And these are all biblical. Now let's consider some challenges to faith. We say we want to grow our faith. What are the challenges, some challenges to the faith? I'll pick these challenges from the explanation that the Lord Jesus Christ gave on the parable of the sower. Only that. He said, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the challenge here is Satan himself. He comes immediately to take the word. Why? It's possible because those involved are ignorant. They are not aware that Satan can snatch the word from them. Even as I speak, if your heart is not prepared, the word comes here and goes through there. He's taking it away. Ignorance is a challenge to faith. It is said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Two, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no roots in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. What is the challenge? They have no root in themselves. They are superficial. 
The word is not in them. They don't understand it. So a little knowledge is dangerous. You need to be rooted and grounded and persevere. Now these are one sown among thorns. Thorns. T-H-O-R-N-S. They are the ones who hear the word and the curse of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. What are the challenges? Cares of this world. All forms of them, you are aware of it. Deceitfulness of riches. It's good to be rich, but you desire to be super rich at the expense of everything so that richness becomes an idol to you. It's dangerous. So, these are some challenges there. And it just tells us that it is your choice to, to make riches your God and other cares your God. It is your choice. Finally, the ones that fell on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Is there a challenge here? No, they hear it, accept it, and bear fruit. So they have overcome. And that is the example that we need to take note of. What fruit would they give? Stronger faith, they win souls, and all the fruits and promises of the scripture are theirs. Brethren, let's now look at some ways to grow your faith. The first one is we grow when we feed on God's word. In fact, when you hear the word, when you read the word, when you speak the word, when you meditate on the word, you are actually feeding on God's word. And just as we feed our physical body, so also we need to feed our souls to make it healthy. Matthew 4, 4 says, And Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So as we focus on scripture and take it in, we are feeding ourselves. Indeed, what you feed grows. So if you take in the scripture and you continue feeding on it, it's like watering a plant. It will grow. If you don't water it, it will stagnate and wither and die. So let's keep on eating the word. The second way by which we can grow our faith is by believing the word. In fact, it's one thing to hear the word and it's another to believe. As we are aware, we became Christians by believing in our hearts and confessing 
with our mouth. And the whole Christian life, we're going to keep on believing, hearing, believing, confessing. For example, if I were sick, and I go into scripture, scripture says, I'm the Lord who heals you. By his wounds, I am healed. Do I believe that? As a matter of fact, the demons believe in God and they tremble. James 2, 19. But they don't do what God wants them to do. So believing is one thing. If you believe and you don't do, you don't take it, it's a lie. Let us believe what God's word says. Because according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 20, every promise of God is yes in Christ. The third way to grow our faith is through taking the word of God or accepting the word of God. Once you've heard the word, it's important now to make the decision to believe it. And to take it in means that you are holding the truth and you are not letting it go. You are going to possess it until that word becomes flesh in you. Let me put it this way. Taking and accepting God's word means putting God's word before your eyes and keeping it before your eyes. You put it there and you keep it there. Every day you speak it. You meditate on it. That's the way you should go. This reminds me of a story I read, it comes in different forms. It talks of a man who is a tight rope walker. Tight rope walkers, they do dangerous things. Like there can be a cliff here, a cliff here, and they tie a rope between the two cliffs. It can also be two story buildings. They tie a rope across them. And then this tight rope walker will take a bar and start walking on a rope. He uses the bar to balance himself. This particular tight rope walker was famous. And many people came to see him perform. So he walked from one place to another. And then he turned and asked the people, do you believe that I can carry somebody on my back and cross the tight rope they said, yes, we believe. So he said, if you believe, then I want somebody to volunteer so that I'll carry him. Nobody except one person, the tightrope worker's son, he really said, daddy, I believe and I trust you. I'm not surprised because it is possible the father had been practicing with him. And so this boy came and the father walked back carrying the boy. So, believing is one thing. And trusting fully depending on what we believe is another. 
The devils believe and tremble. Those other people believed. But that boy believed his father could do it, accepted it and committed, trusted himself into the care of the Lord. I hope you understand me. So we grow through taking and accepting God's word, not just believing, but absorbing it, being totally dependent on it. Now we also grow through exercising our faith. Hebrews 5.14 reads, But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That is, those who by reason of use, reason of use, application, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We have to exercise our faith. And when we read Joshua 1, 8, and I'll quote this several times today. He said, the book, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. For then it will make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. What is the relevance? After reading it, not departing from your mouth, you do, you exercise it. So the fourth thing is you exercise your faith through, you grow through exercising your faith. Indeed, Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 32 reads, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. So if you believe, you must accept and you must do what? Do exercise. Now I'd like us to look at some methods, even though I've given some, that we can exercise or develop our faith. The first, I would say, is when we develop spiritual habits. For example, no, spiritual habit, what is a habit? A habit is that something that you do often, so regularly that you do it without even knowing you are doing it. It becomes a part of you. Like some of us, when you talk, you will say, as a matter of fact, you say you so much, you, don't, you are not even aware you are saying it. Or you will say, you know, you know. You started it, it's become a part of you. Some talking, they are scratching their head. It's become a part of them. Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 it is said so he came to Nazareth where he Jesus had been brought up and as his custom was as his custom was as his habit was custom and habit are synonyms in this dance he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read so he has a habit of going to the synagogue on Sundays, standing up to read. That was the habit of Jesus. It was his custom. Now, research has shown 
that if you keep doing something continuously for six weeks, it can't be a habit. The first three weeks, the habit is created. The other three weeks, it becomes ingrained in you. If you further push it to 90 days, it becomes a part of you. Listen carefully. How do you create a habit? You create a habit by repetitively doing something. Somebody taught me many years ago. He says, when you repeat, keep on doing something, initially it's difficult. But as you do it, it becomes easier. And as it becomes easier and you start enjoying it, you keep on doing it. And as you keep on doing it consistently, it becomes your habit. Your habit becomes your character. And it determines your destiny. So, say after me, repetition easy. Repetition easy. Now that when you repeat, repeat, repeat doing something, it becomes easy. Repetition easy. Repetition easy. Easy often. Easy often. Why? Because when it's easy, you keep on doing it more often. Often habit. Habit character. Habit character. Repetition easy. Repetition easy. Easy often. Easy often. Often habit. Often habit. That is why Joshua says, keep saying the word day and night. It becomes a part of you. It becomes a habit. So, the first thing I want us to know is that we have to develop spiritual habits. And the way to do them is to keep on doing it repetitively, continuously, without break. Until it becomes easy, it becomes a part of you. So that if you don't do your morning devotion, you sense it, and you go and you do it. It becomes a habit. Now, what are some of the habits I want to share with you so that you will grow your faith? This habit is that we must learn in different ways. You know, we are all unique. Because we have, and we have different learning styles. It is good we know our learning style. That's the whole thing. Now, I know there are eight learning styles. I'll mention maybe three or four because of time. But listen, in Luke chapter 3 and verse 18, it reads, Luke three eighteen, And with many other exhortations, he, that is John the Baptist, many other exhortations, he, John the Baptist, preached to the people. Means he was teaching the people with different approaches to meet the needs of the mixed cloud crowd that were with him. And Job chapter 33, 14 reads, For God may speak to one in one way or in another. Job 33, 14. God will speak to one in one way or in another. I remember Psalm 19 says, The nature, the whole creation displays the handiwork of God. They speak. What are these learning styles? There are eight. But I'll just mention a few. 
There are people who will call visual learners. Visual. They, they use their eye. And for such people, when they see like I standing here, they appreciate it. They watch movies. They look at pictures. And it's easy for them to understand what is being said. There are some also who are oral ear. They learn best through their ears. So they respond to sound, to music, to recordings, to rhythms, to rhymes. Such people, like, you can minister to them with music because they've got got good ears to keep that rhythm. Like, as I'm preaching, if I were to sync the preaching, it will click because they have that talent in them. Some are verbal learners. And they like using words, linguistics. You talk, they hear. Very easy. We have logical learners. These people are like mathematical. They want everything. So when you are talking to them or preaching to them and you use logic, they accept it. Some are physical or tactile. They want to use their hands. When you say something, they will touch it, dismantle it, or turn it here and there, and then they learn. They want to touch it. If they don't touch it, you don't, it doesn't hit them. Some are solitary. They can learn best alone. Others have to, they are social. They have to be in a group to be able to understand. And we have the naturalist learners. That they look at nature. And nature speaks to them, like Psalm 19, 1 to 4 tells us. Some people have a combination of these learning styles. That is why it is important that when we preach, when we teach, audiovisuals and other things, hands-on practice, it helps people learn. And Jesus was a master. He spoke in the parable of the sower. He drew a mental picture of what was happening. Now listen. I said previously that we grow when we act on the word of God. And we are now learning how to exercise the word so that we grow our faith. James chapter 1, 22 to 24 says, But be doers, doers, doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So he was trying to say, if you hear the word and you don't do it, you are deceiving yourself. So those who benefit are those who hear, accept, and do. If we fail to heed what we are reading or we are being told and ignore what God is telling us, then our faith grows stagnant. So, in order to grow that measure of faith God has given us, we should keep on feeding it by going to the word of God. 
James chapter 2, 17 and 18 says, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So you can say, when you hear scripture, you read scripture, you watch scripture through the audiovisuals, and you don't act on them, you are deceiving yourself. Hmm. May I, con- may I suggest some things for you to consider, even as we are interacting this morning by the grace of God? When you hear the word, try to memorize some, some scripture when you read. Some people are good. They can memorize three a day. Some can me- memorize one a week. Others, one a month. But if you even do one a month, you would have memorized 12 scripture in a year. And this is very important too. Because when Jesus was tempted in the desert by the Satan, it was scripture that he used to counter. So memorizing the word of God is a practical way to exercise and grow your faith. Now, as I'm talking, I can see Papa busily taking notes. I can see, hey, several people are taking notes. That's good. It's good to take what I will call action notes. When a person is preaching, you listen carefully and you put the key things, points that he is making. After the sermon, you can go and highlight or mark the key things that has been mentioned. Then, you take time to reflect on what key things you have identified during your quiet time during the week. Now, what can you do with this God-given assignment? It's a question I will ask you. In fact, it does two things. When you are taking notes, it makes you listen with intent, with the intention of picking a point that you can implement. It also helps you grow your faith during the week as you purposefully try to act on God's word that was preached to you because you have picked one thing which you say you will do. I hope that is clear. I hope seeing, I hope that is clear is not a habit. Now we grow our faith when we pray. Learning to pray effectively is an important part of learning how to grow your faith. In fact, the stronger your prayer life, the stronger your faith as well. So if you don't pray, you are weakening your faith. Especially when you pray scriptural prayers. It's excellent. It helps you. And that is not all. When you pray, keep a prayer journal. What do I mean? A prayer notebook. So when you pray, then you write the things you prayed about. It's very easy to forget what God has done for you. But when you visit this notebook and you see how God has answered your prayers in one way or the other, it enhances your faith. Try and do this. God being your helper. 
Now we also grow our faith when we congregate. We have what would what is termed the communities of practice. For example, the Ghana Institution of Engineers is a community of practice. You go there to share with others, to learn, and to grow. I don't understand. I go to a senior colleague. He explains things to me. The Ghana Bar Association, Dental and Medical Council, that's a different thing. There are all types. The College of Surgeons and Physicians, they are communities of practice. Our communities of practice is the church. And so Hebrews 10, 24-25 say, do not isolate yourselves as is the habit of some. Go, join, congregate, and build yourselves up. So coming to church and church functions like this, you hear, you build your faith. Don't isolate yourself. And it doesn't mean you should not interact with those who are not Christians. But you need to meet with them, interact with them also in order to give them the gospel that they almost also may come into the house. Now, we have to exercise our faith through our choices. Exercise your faith through your choices. In Hebrews 11, 17 to 40, it's a long thing. It talks about Moses. You know, Moses was picked as a child and sent to the house of Pharaoh. He was trained in all the wisdom and arts of the Egyptians. He was a royal. He had everything the world could give to him. But Moses made a choice. One day with all this glamour of Egypt, he said he would prefer to be with the people, the slaves, Israelite slaves. That was a choice. There are many of us who are slaves or less. I would rather prefer to go to where Moses was given away. The big things, the big names, the pomposities, door, door, door. They are good. If you have control over them. And if they have control over you, it's a problem. So Moses made a choice. And all of us have to make choices. In fact, life is about choices. Again, we have to exercise our faith through perseverance. You know, Moses left Egypt twice. First, when he killed somebody and as a criminal, he was cast out. Second, when as the leader of the people of Israel, of God, in between, when he was cast out as a criminal and when he came out and left the people triumphant, he persevered with courage and determination. In fact, Hebrews 11.27 says, he perceived because he saw him who is invisible, as if he saw God. Listen, brothers and sisters, from the moment of choice to the moment of triumph, there were many battles. And this is the pattern in the Bible. First comes the call, then the problems, 
Finally, there is the fulfillment. In between, you need to keep persevering and trusting. Take Abraham for example. When he was called, he was going to a place he didn't know. He didn't know. We think he knew everything. No! God calls you and you don't know everything. He gives you a little light and you take one step. You don't know what is ahead. But you know God is with you and it is where you take the other step to persevere. There's the calling. Then the challenge. Remember your faith will be tested. And you can only stand when you trust God like the little boy trusted his father who was a tightrope walker. Now, we also have to exercise our faith in times of tragedy, in difficult times. Whether you like it or not, there will be difficult times in life. Times that it appears everybody has forsaken you. Times that you don't even know where your next meal will come from. Times that people are persecuting you because of the word. They will come. And indeed, Psalm 124 is a remarkable demonstration of how David went through such things. Look at David. He was hounded by Paul through the desert, through the caves. He wanted to kill him. But he persevered. In times of tragedy, our faith can be held by the word. And as we keep on saying the word, we will grow. God said what? When you go through the waters, I am with you. When you go through the fires, I am with you. And he said, I am with you always, even to the end of time. So those persecutions will come. But our faith must hold strong to the word. Then it grows. It is very easy beyond these trials to complain you can even dump God. But no. Whatever you say, God hears. And he will do it unto you. Scripture says, in all things, give thanks. Even as you are going through those difficult things, because you trust your God. And you know that he will not give you that which is beyond you. And will give you a way of escape. You thank him for it. Keep on thanking and praising God. Don't be complaining necessary situations. These are ways that grow your faith. May I say finally, you can exercise your faith through expectancy. What do you expect? Again, Moses, he heard from God. So he could boldly go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. Then he will declare the waters in Egypt will turn into blood. He will declare hail and fire will fall from heavens. He will declare frogs will come over here. And he will declare the firstborn of Israel, of Egypt will die. He pronounced and he expected God to perform. And God is faithful. He met he performed what he had said. 
what are you, my brother and sister, expecting God to do for you? This is 1st December. By the close of December, what are you expecting God to do for you? Pick a verse of scripture, hold it tight, and expect it from God. He is faithful. He never lies. So briefly, I want us to also know that the trial of your faith prepares you for something better. So when the trials are coming, don't think God is punishing you. He's preparing you to be able to hold and manage the good things he's going to give you. So far, we have said the ways to grow your faith include feeding on the word, believing in it, Holding on to it, that is accepting it. And then you exercise your faith by developing spiritual habits. Know your learning styles. Act on the word. Pray. Congregate. Exercise faith through choices, perseverance, trials, and your expectations. Brothers and sisters, Faith is vital to every Christian and we must all strive to grow our faith. This message has suggested to us some means to do so. John 13, 17 reads, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Please know that you don't get God's blessings by knowing what to do. You get God's blessings by doing what you ought to, by exercising your faith. What you have to learn to do, you learn by what? Doing. Brethren, I have in my hands mustard seed. Now, the permission of Papa, I'll give this to the usher so that they will keep them somewhere so that you all can see, those of you who have not seen mustard seed before. Why? If seed so small can cause mountains to move, can cause trees to be planted in the sea, then why would we not grow our faith? So I put this mustard seed here. After service, the ushers can let people take a look at it, but bring this and put it where we, it can remind us. Thank you, Papa, for the permission. Please, as you see the seed, how small it is, may it encourage us to grow our faith. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for letting us know the importance of growing our faith. And we say, help us increase our faith. Let us also apply what we have learned so that the honor of God and our own well-being will be promoted 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you very much.